For those of you that are sitting in the balcony that are looking down here and saying, wow, Chad's gotten a lot shorter and grayer, um, let me just share with you that on Friday, kind of late afternoon, I got a text from uh, Chad saying that the doctor said he has the flu and asked if I could pinch hit. So here I am. So you're stuck with me uh, over here. He did say, well, we could see how I feel and uh, and maybe could do. I said, oh, yeah, I know our people would love to have that. <laughs> Got with the flu for 48 hours to come and be with us. I said, you stay home. You just rest. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your desire. But uh, we're praying for him and his family and uh, praying no one else gets it and uh, just gets healed right there with Chad. So uh, this morning, I get the privilege of uh, introducing 2015. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open them to Ephesians chapter 5, the book of Ephesians, New Testament book, chapter 5. You know, when the um, when that huge crystal ball dropped down in Times Square in New York City, or it was the big peach that dropped down in Atlanta, Georgia, or it was the big moon pie that dropped down in Mobile, as it came down to the end, why did they pick that? I don't know. But when it got down at the bottom, all of a sudden everything lights up and says 2015, uh, a new year, a new start. And when, whenever we see a new year, then automatically we began to think about resolutions to where we're saying, well, I'm going to be nicer, I'm going to be fitter, I'm going to be wiser, I'm going to laugh more, I'm going to spend less, uh, I'm going to increase my margins, I'm going to reduce the drama. You know, whatever it is, there's like a new start and some new resolutions. And what's so great about New Year's falling on a Thursday is that by the time on Sunday, you're already asking for forgiveness for the resolutions that you've already messed up on. But today, I want to go a little a step further from just the resolutions of breaking bad habits and creating new habits. I want us to try to take 2015 and let us focus on a word that is opportunity. Focus on opportunities. How do you make the most of every opportunity in 2015? Now, opportunities are not um, habits, good or bad. Opportunities are things that they come and they, and they show up. And the question is, will you make the most of those opportunities or not? Now, the Apostle Paul is talking about just living life and how we need to walk through life. And if you're in, your Bibles are open on chapter 5, in verses 1 and 2 of Ephesians uh, 5, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So right there, he's saying you need to walk in love. You need to be an imitator of Christ. And then verses 3 through 14, it begins to give you a listing of things you don't need to do. Stay away from this, stay away from that, stay away from that. And then he comes to verse 15 and says, look carefully then, after all these things that we said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. For 2015, I'm going to give you just some simple things for us to keep in mind as we move forward in 2015. 
If you're going to make the most of every opportunity in 2015, the first thing you need to realize is that your time is limited and value. Realize your time is limited and valuable. God is eternal, but yet he created time and he placed man in time. And he gave every one of us 24 hours a day. And if you took that over an entire year, it would be 8,760 hours to live and to breathe and to make a difference. 8,760 hours. Every one of us, if we live through this year, that's the number of hours that we have. And because our time is limited, it is a very precious possession. Think about it. If somebody takes away your money, that's a real disappointing thing, but you can go and earn some more money. If someone or something takes away your job, that's a, that's a blow, but yet you can go out and find another job. And if something happens to your house and you lose a house or someone takes your house, that's a great disappointment, but you can go out and find another place to live. But once someone takes your time or something takes your time, you can never get that back again. Those are precious minutes or hours or even days that are gone. And you can never get those again. They can never be retrieved. And so that makes it a very valuable thing indeed. Plus the fact that there's no guarantee that we're going to even see tomorrow. You know, the Bible talks about that. We're, we're uh, in the book of James talking about don't just don't count on tomorrow. He says because there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that, that we're going to wake up the next day. There's no guarantee of, of the next week or that we make it all the way through this year. And so knowing that, it means that every moment that I have is very precious and very valuable. And if I want to get the most out of 2015, I need to realize that both my time is limited, but it's also valuable. My time is limited with my children. Children grow up in the house. You think they're going to be there forever, and some of you are still thinking they're going to be there forever, and then all of a sudden they grow up and they walk through graduation and they're gone. Time with our parents is limited, and we know they'll come that end time. Time with our coworkers is limited. You see in, in sports teams and as, as people get together and as seasons end and seniors step away, they always talk about the thing that I'll miss the most is the camaraderie of this team of these, these men or these women that we, we came in together and we came in as freshmen and we're leaving out as seniors and you'll never get that again. Oh, there'll still be those friendships, but that team part of it, it will never be that way again. And in work environments, with your job and with those relationships you have, those are limited. And even the job that you have is limited. And so all throughout, we need to understand that when we're at this place, like right now, there are limitations to that. So what you want to do is gain everything you can from that. Use that time wisely. In Psalm 90, verse 12, The psalmist says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So teach us to number our days so that we get a heart of wisdom. You know, when you've read that passage before, the way I used to always look at that passage is teach us to number our days so we'll have a heart of wisdom. Number our days. How long do you think you're going to live? The way I looked at it and said, okay, so where am I, where am I on this, on this span of how long do you think that I'm going to live? Well, looking for my family, if, if I don't do something stupid, I, I could be here for a while. Uh, you know, grandfather was 101, great uncle was 95. 
and my mom's 89, and uh, I said, I could be here for a while. And uh, that for some, that's good. Some, oh my gosh, <laughs> really? You could be here for that long? Yes, I could be here for a long time. So I sit there and I say, well, let's say you're going to make it till 80. So you begin to number your days. But I read a book a few years ago. It was called 20,000 Days and Counting uh, by a guy named Robert D. Smith. Uh, not the Robert Smith from Beeson, but a different Robert D. Smith. And he, he flipped it. And he said, try this idea. Count your days up and not down. And he said, count the days that you have lived and keep up with the number of days that you've lived. So today, I'm on day 22,419. Just wanted to let you know that. 22,419 days. God has allowed me to live on this earth 22,419 days. Counting up. Guess what tomorrow's going to be? 22,420. So what does that make you think? Well, it makes me think i got to look back. 22,419, what have I done with that? What have I done with my life over all those years? If I don't like what I've done, then maybe I need to make some adjustments so that this next day can be even better. And what Robert Smith had said, he says, when you count down, you'll come up with a number of days that you think you have left. And when you count down, you'll look at that and you'll go, well, I've got a whole lot of time, so I'll put off doing anything great. Or as I count down, I'll say, oh, that's not very many days I think I've got left, so I just won't do it at all. But when I'm counting up, I realize that every day is a now. Every day. 22,420, when that day comes, that's a now. What I want to do for the Lord, what I need to do to impact his kingdom, let's go on and do it now. And just keep counting up rather than always counting down. Interesting thought. The question is, what will you do with this day? What will you day, do with the day that God has given you now? And I see now there's some of you right now that are really the mathematicians that you're going through trying to figure out your day. You got 365, then you got some leap years there before. How do I add that up? If you'll just stay with me through the sermon and even make it through the offertory, um, at the end of the message, I'll tell you exactly how you'll know it just like that. Okay? Enough to stick around for that. All right, so uh, realize, realize how valuable your time is, and realize how limited it is, okay? Number two, carefully choose to use your time wisely. Carefully choose to use your time wisely. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, look carefully. Look carefully. That word means to be diligent and to be attentive, It suggests that you're looking around as you're walking and you're giving attention to all the circumstances and the happenings that are going on around you. In in sports, people tell you, keep your head on a swivel. You need to always be seeing what's around you. Keep your head on a swivel. And in essence, this is what Paul's saying in life. Be careful. And when he talks about book care, he says, I want you to look carefully. I want you to constantly be looking And I want you to be looking at the circumstances, looking at the situations that are all around you. And he says, look carefully then how you walk, your deportment, your way of life, how you conduct yourself. So as I'm walking through life, I want to be careful. I want to see everything around me. I want to be careful in how I walk. And a part of that walk is this. Number one, follow biblical guidelines. Follow biblical standards. Follow those biblical standards that are listed here in God's Word because he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. 
So when you go into 2015, as you're walking through 2015, you need to look carefully, be diligent about how you walk, how you live. And as you live, don't live as a fool, but live as a wise man. And God's Word gives you the steps that you need to be a wise individual. And so I want to be a follower of the standards of God's Word and be a man or a woman of character and not to be a fool. That's what he says here. And he told us, he says, listen, if you're going to walk in love and and you're going to imitate Christ, you need to follow these biblical standards and you look carefully at how you walk. Second of all, he says, beware the time stealers. Beware the time stealers. If you are going to look carefully then how you walk and you're going to make the most out of this day, you've got to be careful and to know the time stealers. Now, there are a lot of things out there that steal our time. I'm going to give you three just that I want you just to write them down and hopefully keep these at the forefront of your mind as you go through 2015. These are the categories that can cause us stress and anxiety and rob us of our joy. Number one, commitments. Commitments. Everybody's asking for one. We can get so busy running around and fulfilling commitments to our spouse, our children, our work, our church, our leisure, that they slowly rob us of precious time. Commitments. One thing I would encourage you for this year, for 2015, is you begin to prioritize what those areas are. Because everybody's pulling at you at commitments. And everybody's got a good story and every, and often there's good causes all around. But somewhere you gotta draw a line. Because otherwise you get so overcommitted, it just completely sucks the joy out of your life. And it just robs you of your energy and robs you of your joy. Look at your commitments. Number two, your possessions. Your possessions. It seems that people have a built-in desire to acquire more and more possessions. And when the stuff you have ceases to satisfy, you go out and buy more stuff. You're spending money that you don't have for stuff that you don't need. Then you dig deeper in debt by renting storage space. You can have a place for the stuff that you can't use. Doesn't make any sense. But we get caught up in it. And whenever you buy possessions, it'll either demand time or attention from you. you got to ask yourself the question, do I have the time and am I willing to give it that attention? Maybe I just don't need it. But see, what possessions can do is they can begin to add stress and anxiety and overload you. And before you know it, rob the joy, rob your time. And the last is information. And to me, the age that we live in is tougher than it's ever been from an information standpoint. We are deluged. You have television programs, news programs, computers, Internet, smartphones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, email, journals, magazines, all those things. And you're getting hit with all of this. It was kind of great when I was growing up where you just got the paper. That was it. (laughs) Everything you needed was right there in Atlanta Journal and Constitution. And you'd read that and maybe get a Time magazine, which actually I just read Sports Illustrated, but but you could get like a Time or a Newsweek or so. But now, man, you're just engulfed with so much. You could go 24-7 just keeping up with information. So you think about it, all the commitments that I need to make, family uh, and, and to my job and the commitments to my church and to my leisure. And then I've got all these possessions I keep wanting to buy when I buy this possession, got to put my time and energy into it. Then I've got all my communications, things that I'm trying to keep up with. And, and you put all that together, you're already exhausted and we're just four days into 2015. And so 
when Paul says here, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Be careful. Set those priorities. Be aware of the time stealers. But then let me tell you the third part, and that is to seize the opportunities. Seize the opportunities. If you're going to carefully walk, you need to seize the opportunities. Verse 16 says this, making the best use of the time. Now, in the uh, making the best use is a word that means like to go to the market with the intent to buy. Okay? <laughs> so it's like you're going to the market with an intent to buy. So I want you to look carefully, uh, walk according to the biblical standards, and then you need to be very intent on how you use the time. In the Greek language, there are two words for time. One is chronos, which means chronological or sequential time. That's not this word. This word is keros. It's a word that in essence means opportunity. It's individual periods of time which can be affected by human decisions. Okay, verse 16. Look at this again. Making the best use of the time. Making the best use of individual periods of time or points of time which can be affected by your decision. Make the best use of opportunities. We're to make the most of every passing opportunity. We are like going into the marketplace and buy up these opportunities. Make the best use. It's like going into the marketplace and saying, I'm, I've got an intent to buy. There's an opportunity. I'm going to buy up and I'm going to embrace that opportunity. The Greeks had a, you know, they had a, almost a God for everything. And they had a, had, a, had a God set up for this opportunity. And the way they designed it was it was a young guy and he had wings on his back and he had wings on his feet like he's flying by and he's bald in the back and he's got long hair on the front. And what it meant was the only way you can grab opportunities, you got to grab it at the first. Because once opportunity passes you, there's no way you can catch it again. That's what opportunities are. They come. And when they come, you got to make the decision. Am I going to embrace it? Am I going to do it or not? And if I don't, it passes me by. And it's gone. I can't, I can't get it back again. And what Paul is saying is to seize the opportunity. Be careful how you walk. Keep your head on a swivel. Look for all of these circumstances. And as you see these opportunities that you need to do something, you need to jump on it. We don't even want to go back to 2014, all the missed opportunities. We want to focus on 2015 to say, let's keep our focus on the opportunities. It's that opportunity that came by when you knew as a husband that your wife needed that word of encouragement, needed that help, needed you to be there. You saw it, you let it pass, and it's gone. And you could have done something to help her and you didn't. And for their wife... There was that husband that you knew during that downtime that he needed that word of encouragement. He needed that, that one that just to come up and give a hug, just that reassurance, and you didn't. And it went by. And it's like his spirit is crushed over here. And it was that opportunity right there, and he just didn't do it. It's that opportunity at work to be with that friend or that, that relationship to give them that support. It is something in that job where this opportunity came and this is here. We can jump on this. This is a great opportunity. Well, I don't, I don't know. And then it's gone. 
There was an opportunity to share your faith with someone and, and you kept thinking about it and said, well, you know, maybe, well, I don't know. Let's, let's just wait. Let's just wait. And then an opportunity was gone. And you told the Lord, hey, if it ever circles back again, I'm ready. I'm all prayed up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with this person. Never happened. Was that not an amazing story we were able to share from the baptistry? When that young lady who God sent from China to um, Australia now all of a sudden comes to Birmingham, Alabama, and she comes over and, and, and meets with, with the Wongs, what if they had said, well, this is probably not a good time. Why don't we just wait? Let's don't tell her about who Christ is. And what happens if that opportunity never comes again and then her mother never makes that decision, then her sister never makes that decision, her brother never makes that decision, and her niece never makes a decision? But why does all this happen? It's because when the opportunity came, they were there to share it. We need to seize those opportunities. And that means we've got to have our, our head like on a swivel. We're looking for those. We're praying that our hearts will be attuned to others and to situations, attuned to our spouses, attuned to our roommates, attuned to our friends. And that when we see these opportunities, we need to seize those opportunities. You see, that's a New Year's resolution that you can hold on to. And you can say, you know what? Uh, I want to be that person. I want to see where those opportunities, I don't want to live my life with regrets of saying, I should have written that note, I should have sent that email, I should have made that statement, I should have stood up when injustice was happening, and I didn't, and I sat down. And I should have stood up. The opportunity was there. Let's don't miss them in 2015. So why do you say, should we do this now? Well, look what Paul says. He says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. When he wrote this 2,000 years ago, you could also say today the days are evil. And these are tough days. There's persecution happening of believers all around the world, and it's even increasing where we are here in the United States. It just seems that more and more that... Uh, uh, the things that are wrong and evil seem to be winning more and more battles along the way. And that was happening during Paul's time, too. And he says, well, let's do this because the days are evil. And we know here, we, we don't have a whole lot of time to just sit back and let these opportunities pass us. We need to seize those now. And, I, you know, many believe that, you know, Christ could be coming back could be coming back soon. And, um, and and there's no indication why that would not be true. And so we need to be ready as believers. And we need to be those who stand on God's word. And we need to look for those opportunities. Those opportunities to lovingly, caringly make a stand for the Lord. To be able to pour into people's lives and to seize those opportunities. He says the days are evil. And those days are evil, and when you have evil days, it means constantly draws you away from the things of God, and we need to be constantly drawn to the things of God, and we need to seize these opportunities. Man, it's, it's just a great feeling. Whenever that opportunity is there, and God says, go forward, and you go forward, and you, and you seize that, you made the note, or you made the contact, and and, and then all of a sudden, you began to see what happens in that person's life and to know that God used you to do that. 
Listen, God is desiring to use every one of us this year. It's not like he's got some pecking order to where you're way down here and he says, well, you know, you're really not a really good person. I'm just going to give you two opportunities this year. No, every one of us every day are going to have opportunities all around us. What God's word is saying, let's seize that opportunity, okay? So you'll make the most out of 2015. And you'll make the most of seizing every opportunity in 2015 when you realize that time is limited, but yet it's also valuable. When you carefully walk according to the biblical standards, and then last of all, to understand God's will and make it a priority. To understand God's will and to make it a priority. In verse 17, he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Perceive to comprehend what the Lord's will is. Say, well, how do I know to do that? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. We are to renew our minds by filling our minds and hearts with Scripture, with God's Word. Then we have transformed lives, and we get transformed lives. Then we know what God's will is. And then understanding His will, we begin to make those steps forward and begin to make an impact in this world. Paul talks about, listen, all these things you're trying to seize and understand, you need to understand what God's will is. And it starts by the transformation, the renewing of your mind. And for us as believers, our primary consideration as a Christian must never be what is going to profit me most financially or what is most pleasurable or enjoyable or what will bring the greatest personal advantage or honor to me. Your first concern is to discern what God wills you to do and to be and do it. What is it you want me to be, Lord? What is it you want me to do? I want to put everything else aside. I want to take the blinders off. I don't want to just look out and figure out what's going to make me the most money, what's going to give me the most honor, all those things. If those things come, praise God. It means he's going to bless you with those things. But most importantly is, what do you want me to be and what do you want me to do? That's what I want to be, Lord. I want to be one that understands your will. Who am I to be? What am I to do? That is what the way of wisdom is. And so when you look at 2015, what do you think that God wants you to do? Do you think he wants you to fill your schedule up with a bunch of things that will saturate you with worries and anxieties? Do you think that he wants you to crowd out the important things and just put um, the secondary matters first? I think that what God desires for us is naturally to make him first and to get a handle on this valuable commodity called time. So, here are four time priorities for 2015. These are the ones you can take with you. Keep them in your Bible. Paste them on your forehead for 2015. Are you ready? Number one, daily private time with God. Daily private time with God. You're looking for a resolution for 2015? This is it. Every day start out with a private time with God. Daily private time with God. Number two, weekly time in corporate worship at church. Weekly time in corporate worship at church. It is so important to come together as a body and to worship. You got your calendar. You can look out for over 52 weeks. 
why don't you make it an effort to say, you know what, as much as possible, we're going to be here on Sunday. It may adjust the way we take on some of our time off or some of our travels or, or trips that we're going to take, but we want to be here. We want to be in corporate worship. It is something about the body of Christ meeting together. And, and I appreciate those that are watching live stream right now, and uh, some of you are unable to, most of you are unable to because of illness or family or whatever. But, you know, when we, when we don't come together, it's, it's just something that's missing. And there's something special about corporate worship and coming together in Bible study and coming together in worship. So as I'm looking at my priorities, I'm taking a look at my calendar, I would do a weekly time in corporate worship at church. Number three, quality and quantity time with your family. Quality and quantity time with your family. So as you began to look at your calendar and began to look at your time, say, okay, I've got my time with God. We want to try to weekly, if we can be here for corporate worship at church, but we got to get some quality and quantity time with my family. And then fourth is productive time in your work. Productive time in your work. Some of you got your hand like this. Does that mean I need to reduce the amount of times I'm playing those games on my phone uh, at work? Yeah, that'd be good. Productive time at work. (laughs) You've gone through the whole message having gotten gotten convicted. Now (laughs) we nail you. Uh, you know, because we're Christians, we have a responsibility to the Lord to honor him in the marketplace. And so we need to be the best employees that we can be. And so I want to have productive time there in the marketplace. Now you think about that, trying to catch your time and gather and seize the opportunities that will before you. You cannot control the length of your time. None of us can. But you can control the width and the depth of your time. And that's a challenge for all of us as we go into 2015. And if you truly desire to make the most of every opportunity in 2015, align your priorities with God's, and then you begin to watch and see your life change. And say, I'm going to take a year where I'm going to say, God, your priorities are going to take center stage. I'm going to align my life to your teachings and your will, and let's see what happens. I don't think he's going to steer you wrong. In fact, I'm positive he's not. What an incredible ride you would be in for if you said, I'm going to align all of my life, my priorities with God, and I'm going to set those priorities up, see what happens. I think that if you do that, you're going to have your eyes open to a number of opportunities that are out there that you need to be able to seize. And when you seize those opportunities and you become the hands and feet of Jesus in the people's lives, wow. You're going to make an incredible impact for the kingdom in 2015. And when you're standing there about 360-something days from now, whether you're standing in New York watching the crystal ball or in Atlanta watching the big peach or you're hanging out in Mobile with a big moon pie coming on down on there, as it is making that drop and you're saying 2015 has gone, 2016 you know, is coming, you're not going to be one of those people that are saying, oh, I'm so glad 2015 is out of the way. I think you're going to be one of those people that as you see 2015 coming to a close, you're going to be able to sit and stand, and then you're going to stand and you're going to say, you know, it was a great year. It was a great year. I'm glad what God was able to do. And as I see this coming down, I got 2016 ahead of me. It's a challenge to let's go do this again. Count your days. Hey, don't tell them how many you'll have by that time. But all I know, I can tell you for the sure for me, is that tomorrow, 
22,420 on that day, it's a great opportunity to start something now and start something new. It's my hope and prayer that we'll all do that the same way. Align ourselves with God. Seize those opportunities for 2015. Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Let me just pray over you. Pray over our congregation for this year. Heavenly Father, I I thank you for your word. I thank you for its clarity. I'm going to pray for our congregation, for those that are here today, for those that are watching on live stream, and Father, for those that are unable to be here, that for our congregation, for our body of believers at Shades Mountain, I pray that during the new year, that each one here may have enough happiness to keep them sweet, enough trials to keep them strong, enough sorrow to keep them human, enough hope to keep them happy, enough failure to keep them humble, enough success to keep them eager, enough friends to give them comfort, and enough wealth to meet their needs, and enough enthusiasm to make them look forward to tomorrow, and enough determination to make make each day better than the day before. Lord, please help us to use the 8,677 remaining hours of this year the wisest way we can for you and for your glory. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.